I want someone to wear zero and make a big play just so I can say from zero to hero. Have we not figured this out? Yes, BYU fans are greedy. The studio bizzle is about to get woke. Uh, I still get that from people. Oh, when do you graduate from BYU? Um, 2007. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Our first guest of the day, who we introduce with this stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Mark Pope played four seconds versus the Bulls in the 1997-98 season. He was DNP in two games. He played four seconds in the first game. Four seconds? Yes, we are serious. Four <laughs> seconds against the Bulls in that memorable season. Coach, uh, with that introduction, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Skype. How are you, and how were those four seconds? All right, so I got an issue with you guys right now, because you know <laughs> we played the Bulls to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> you know I played in all six of those first six games. I'm not sure they were exactly star minutes. <laughs> I'm not sure my stats were anywhere near a double-double. But I told Coach Bird after we lost in game seven, I'm like, Coach, so we're tied up 3-3. I played in every single game, and then you benched me for all of game seven. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> what you, you would have made the difference. Are you serious? <laughs> I have you scoring six That's points my in the series. I tell right there. Yes, that that was a good impression. I have you for six. I have you for six points. No, no, no. Two points. My bad. Two points and two rebounds. Yeah, but do you know how epic those two points, and two rebounds were. <laughs> like it was a game, game six. You had two points, bro. Nice. It, it really was. It really was. I, I kid you not. And I can say this because I had such a beautiful view from the bench. <laughs> it was one of the great series in the history of NBA basketball, man. It was unbelievable. Let's talk about that. And we want to get into uh, Gideon George and Dallin Hall and all these guys. But the last dance certainly was really fun. Did you get a chance to see it? And uh, what were your thoughts on, on the documentary? Yeah, so we watched the first hour late last night. We had to TiVo it. But, um, I mean, it just is, come on. Uh, this Michael Jordan uh, is, is maybe the greatest competitor that ever lived on the face of the planet. And, um, and, it, and all of us that lived through that era, I know you guys are too young, but get out of here. No, us, we we're alive. Come on. <laughs> for those of us that lived through that era, we saw something that we certainly had never seen before and may never seen again in terms of a, uh, a player, uh, that, that, was so driven and so capable of dominating every second of the game. It was, it was pretty extraordinary. And, and so it's fun to relive it for sure. Okay. You played against the bulls and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Um, how would you explain, or I guess take a stance on the conversation of how, how these guys are different. And I'm not going to ask you to name a goat, but how, how are guys like Michael and Kobe and LeBron all different from each other? Michael Jordan is the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball let's just get put that down right now if you're just talking about if you're just talking about a competitor who refuses to lose ever ever it's not even close like there's no comparison and that's not taking anything away from kobe bryant or anybody else but 
but Mike just was, he just, he just refused to lose ever. And, um, and, and when I got to watch that, you know, it worked, uh, close up and he just is, he just is, he just is, like I said, I don't know. I, and, and listen, I, you know, I'm not saying Michael Jordan is perfect. I'm just saying in terms of a competitor on the basketball court, there's never been another player like him. The juxtaposition of Scottie Pippen waiting to have surgery to cost his team was one thing and, and somewhat understandable. And then, the, and then there's Jordan who wanted to punish his team by playing. That juxtaposition was stark, right? Yeah, I mean – you know, it's, there's so many legendary stories uh, about guys' interactions with Mike, uh, you know, on and off the court. And he was, you know, uh, he was probably the most demanding teammate, maybe the most demanding teammate that's been around a long time. Maybe, you know, the legendary stories about Kevin Garnett, maybe he would uh, kind of be in that circle somewhere about how demanding he was of his teammates to come perform. But, um, you know, one of the beautiful things about watching Mike from a distance as a, as a, as a younger guy growing up was you saw him struggle to kind of elevate the bulls over the course of, I don't know what it was, five, six, seven years to where they finally could win a championship. And, and, you know, it seemed from a distance that what he realized was as good as he was, he could not do it by himself. Um, As spectacular as his numbers were. And, and so, it seems like from a distance, never having been in that locker room, like he said, I can't do this by myself. So I'm going to make you guys do this with me. And um, certainly he had some extraordinary teammates. I mean, it was fun last night to see Ron Harper. Nobody talks about Ron Harper, mm-hmm. but like in, in our series, you know, in our, in our series against the Bulls, we went to game seven. This Ron Harper was just, he was just so long and so tough and so physical and they tricked us up to they they had Scotty, uh, you know, I think it was after the second game, maybe they or the, no, it was game five. They switched Scotty on to guard Mark Jackson and Scotty was so long. I mean, Scotty was such a great player in his own right. Uh, certainly had a great team. But uh, this Michael Jordan, man. Wow. <laughs> when you talk about Michael Jordan and uh, the impact he had on the game, <clears throat> It's hard not to wonder how that influences you and and uh, your team when you talk about the team aspect. So, how do you draw from something like this and implement it into BYU basketball? I have no idea. I mean, that cat, <laughs> that cat is in such rarefied air, man. I don't even understand what he was doing on the court. He was just so good. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully, we'll continue to uh, kind of grow in our toughness and our competitiveness. I mean, if that if there's a legacy in the game, I know he was. You know, he was Air Jordan, and he was winning dunk contests. He was putting on a spectacular show, and and all of that, of course, you know, it could have it could have led to a, a legendary career all in of itself. But but I'm telling you, if if in terms of competitiveness, I don't think there's a a guy that's ever walked on the floor that's been like that. He just he just brought it every single night with a vengeance. And and if we could steal that from him, we're going to be really good boys. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, speaking of competitiveness, the Twitter mob at BYU has struck again and have pushed the Cougars into the final four of the Fox College Basketball Best Fans Bracket. Into the final four, what say you about the competitive nature of the BYU fan base? I'm telling you, hey, it is so awesome to watch, right? Like, what do we have, two or three rounds of comebacks with Cosmo? just to get it done in the last few minutes to get him a national championship. Are you kidding? 
And it uh, looks like our fans are doing the same thing. And, and, and honestly, I would be disappointed if it was any less. Um, I do think our fan base is unique. I, I think it's like nowhere else. Uh, and uh, I, think, I think they hail from all over this country and all over the world. And I think they are, are passionate about uh, BYU and, and they want to win. Like they, uh, our fans are, are so hungry to win. Um, and, and that's pretty awesome, man. It's, it's, a, it's a gift to be able to be associated with the university and coach here and, and play here in large part because our fans are just so in it. It, it makes it incredible. Let's talk about a couple of signees you've uh, inked the last few days, starting with uh, Gideon George, uh, the six foot six forward from Nigeria who was playing at New Mexico Junior College the last two years. Gideon George. Uh, this guy is going to be a fan favorite when it's all said and done. He is a, he is an extraordinary athlete. Um, you know, he's a six, six, three. That's uh, been the best rim protector everywhere. He's gone. Uh, he is so talented vertically, whether it's direct line, drive, finishing the rim, kind of hanging in the air, whether it's coming from behind the block shots or whether it's just, uh, staring guys down and, and with rim protection, I think he's going to be an elite, elite, elite rim protector. Uh, he can shoot the ball like his trajectory with his stroke is 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 been on a, a real upswing. He's really, really diligent about being at the gym. He loves to be there, and 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 that's all the stuff that that, that that's less important about him. I mean, he's one of the finest human beings you're ever going to meet. Uh, he's humble and he's hungry. Uh, he's um, already done a ton to uh, kind of give back to his family and his community in Nigeria, and he's really, really passionate about this. Uh, BYU fans are going to love this, Gideon George. We're so excited to get him. Coach, he reminds me a little bit of Malik Fitz from St. Mary's. Do you envision him more as a, a wing player, as the three, or will he play forward and, and, and move down in the post as well? I think he'd play both three and four. Um, I think – I think um, I think he'll be able to move back and forth. I think he can guard one through five. Um, so you know he might be uh, in a situation where he's guarding a point guard or a two guard and and playing the four on offense or playing the three on offense where we we get a uh, mismatch on both sides. Um, I think that's going to probably feed in his skill set really really well. The other signee that's uh, new as of the last couple of days, Dallin Hall, the Utah Gatorade Player of the Year. This Dallin Hall, right, Coach? Yeah, I mean, listen, Dallin Hall, first of all, this cat is like some kind of cross between Zach Efron and Brad Pitt. <laughs> this kid, like, I'm serious about this, man. This dude is going to be, I, I just can't even, I can't stand it. This is going to be so fun. Like, his charisma is just oozing from every pore. And uh, he's, he's just such a good human being. He comes from a great family. His mom was a big-time Division One college track athlete. His dad's a big-time basketball football player, so he's got unbelievable genes. And, and uh, he has got some swag to him. And, and uh, he's, he, he, you know, he's got this kind of beautiful baby face, but he's got an assassin's heart. He's going to be really good, guys. We, we got to watch him. We got to watch him go to work in the state tournament, and he got the attention of everybody in the state. And uh, I've been recruiting him for a long time, actually. Um, you know, the thing that I've said since the first time I watched him is his vision, the way he sees the floor off of a ball screen, um, uh, both studied and kind of an innate talent, is really special. He is a big-time, big-time playmaker for his teammates, 
Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a great one. He could totally play Rusty in Ocean's Eleven, right? No, are you kidding? Like, I mean, it's on. If, if he if he doesn't take some type of starring role at BYU TV in his tenure here, it's just a waste, man. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, the transfer portal is in unprecedented status because of the coronavirus pandemic. Last I saw, almost 700 players were in the transfer portal. I know you and your staff are hitting it hard. And while you can't get into details, do you anticipate that you have a guy or two coming down that portal? I hope so. It's um, we're 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 in the hunt now with some uh, some some really big time players, uh, and um, we'll just see. This is a it's just it's just such a different time. Normally, you know, you're on you're on plane, trains, and automobiles sprinting around the country. I guess I guess you know just for weekends now, but we would have been uh, for the last couple of weeks and. Uh, now, you know, guys aren't allowed to come on campus and, and we're not allowed to go visit them. And I actually don't like that at all. I think it's dangerous. I, I think you bond, you know, you understand each other so much when, better when you can be face to face. But it's what we all got. So my assistant coaches are getting in unbelievable shape because we're doing these um, on campus uh, video, you know, official uh, electronic recruiting visits. And so what we do is we get everybody on Zoom. And so, you know, Coach Burgess, for example, will start in the, you know, in the main central area of campus. And then he'll talk for a few minutes to kind of show around. And then he'll kick it to Coach Fieger, who's in the weight room. And then he'll kick it to Coach Robinson, who's down in the Merritt Center locker room. And then in the time those two guys speak, Coach Burgess has to sprint all the way across campus down to the SAB. And so <laughs> as my staff, is, as they're clicking back on the phone, man, they're like in a full sweat lather, breathing heavy. It's so fantastic. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to break new ground recruiting and, uh, and uh, hopefully it'll be really effective. We got a great product to sell right now. That's awesome. Do you feel like you need a guy that can come in and play this next year? Do you need to get that kind of player? Um, well, certainly we'd like to bolster the roster. Uh, you know, we, we are, you know, the one thing about next year, you know, we have, we have, we have really one senior player on the roster. So, um, we would like to bring in some guys with some experience and certainly give us some more depth, uh, make our, you know, uh, there's nothing better than when you have a, a group of players that are really, really competing with each other to earn their time. It's a great dynamic on a team. And so hopefully we can, we can make some steps to creating that as we move forward here in the next month or so. Coach, with your impersonations of Dick Vitale and your pop culture references, you are a treasure to BYU Sports Nation. Great to catch up with you, man. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Stay safe. All righty. Mark Pope via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Love it. Hard not to love that guy. And uh, what a season. He should have been the West Coast Conference uh, Coach of the Year. Amen. Um, but uh, I guess the, the if you expect nothing and you get something, then you give it to Damon Stoudemire. They did a tremendous job, but he should have been the coach of the year. Not everybody, not all of these transfers will say no to Mark Pope. You can't. There are one or two that have to say yes. Right. And our stat of the day was regular season. Great of Mark to point out that it was indeed the playoffs. In the playoffs. When he played. Now, now, he said six games. I'm seeing differently on basketball reference. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
At this point, Jerem, it's time we debut our new project on BYU Sports Nation. It is the best to wear it at BYU. We'll ask this Fashion question show. each day at lunch. We'll ask this question each day as we look at who was the best BYU athlete to wear the number in Provo. We start with zero, go through 99. Doesn't matter the sport. As long as the jersey had a number, you're a qualified. Sorry, gymnastics. Correct. And track and field. And track, yeah. Okay, today, uh, the number zero. One could argue that zero isn't a number, but it is, and you can wear it. Brandon Davies is our best to wear it, number zero, all time. Uh, forward at BYU 09 to 13, averaged 14 a game, uh, 6.2 rebounds, 52% from the field in his career. He's a guy that was top 15 in points and rebounds and uh, surprisingly steals, by the way. Uh, pretty awesome. He was a tremendous player at BYU. Obviously, um, has had a tremendous pro career. Some controversy at the end of his junior season, uh, sorry, sophomore season, where, uh, uh, you know, he stopped playing uh, with, with BYU, and perhaps BYU makes it to the national championship game that year. We'll never know, but uh, Brandon Davies was a tremendous player. Could have transferred and uh, gone somewhere else, stayed at BYU. I've always respected him for that fact, and uh, BYU had uh, a team that went all the way to the NCAA, or excuse me, the NIT championship game in New York City. He's created some real value for himself in Europe, playing for the elite clubs over there, played with the 76ers in the NBA. Brandon Davies, number zero, the best to wear it at BYU. If he plays with with that 2010-11 team, I really feel like they don't go to double OT and lose. BYU had to play a freshman Kyle Collinsworth, who did have 16 rebounds in that game. Uh, but certainly BYU wasn't the same team without Brandon. In fact, the next game they played after the news was announced, they got worked by New Mexico at home. Who had BYU's number, but Cougars end up going to the NCAA tournament, going to Sweet 16. It was an amazing season, but could have been a little bit uh, yeah, more with Yeah, Brandon. hard not to wonder what yeah. if. What if. I will always wonder what then if. Then they beat Florida, always. then they beat Butler, and then BCU into the Final Four, maybe BCU's the National the Championship. How much would their seating have been impacted for the better if Brandon Davies is still on that team? Because BYU maybe got two. Maybe they're a two seed. I need some big deal, no deal in my life now. Big deal, no deal. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Today's big deal, no deal focuses on the new NCAA rules. For next season. So, Jerem, number one, big the deal, football. no deal in college football. Players ejected for targeting are now allowed to remain on the sideline. I think that's a big deal. I joked earlier in the show, they wore this sort of scarlet letter and were mocked if it was a road game. As Put a else, paper right? bag on your I, head and go to the locker room. Yeah, they're not a Browns fan, for goodness sake. Come on, or the Bungles. Um, hey, th- no, I, I think it's good that they can stay on the sideline. I want to see if someone tries to come in the game, though. That'd be funny. I like. Wait a minute. I hate that targeting is a thing, and it's. You hate that it's a thing. Well, you I think hate... they should be able to go head to head? What do you mean? Oh, okay, let me explain. I feel like a lot of players that don't mean to target get ejected, and it's 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 a frustrating thing. Like sure. if it's blatant and it's obvious, that bothers me, but. You know, so any exception that they can make, yeah, it's a big deal. And don't, this has don't, nothing to do with 
the actual foul. It's the repercussions. Yeah, if, it, if it's inadvertent and you have to go to the locker room and you can't be with your teammates, like, that's double win. Yeah, I don't like the, you're shunned, leave. Like, I think no, this is weird. the right move. Yeah. Uh, second one, big deal, no deal. Instant replays now uh, are now limited to two minutes. I would argue they're not instant if they're two minutes. Unless the review is exceptionally complicated or involves an end-of-game issue. I would say this is a big deal, but because there's that stipulation there, like, who's ruling if it's exceptionally complicated? Who is it? Is it the replay official? I would... <laughs> like, if this were like, a, hey, it's two minutes regardless, yeah, that'd be a big deal. But, like, I feel like there's a huge loophole there. Yeah, I say no deal because, yeah, too much gray area. Yet, I don't want every little thing defined. I don't want the Pharisees ruling college football here. Let's go. Okay, they already kind of do. Big deal, no deal. Officials now have jurisdiction of a game 90 minutes prior to kickoff to help avoid any pregame incidents. No deal. Who cares? You think the you think some refs out there are they going to have flags <laughs> on them and go? Hey, they opened the game order. an hour and a half ago. This player did this. 15 yard penalty. First down. <laughs> like, stop It'll it. It'll be put <laughs> applied to the kickoff. <laughs> All right, last one. Big deal, no deal. Only two players on a team allowed to wear the same jersey number, and now players can wear the number zero. Uh, the same jersey number, no, don't care. Zero. Yeah, big deal. They've, no one's been able to wear zero in football. I think that's fun. I want someone to wear zero and make a big play just so I can say from zero to hero. Yeah, anchor boy strikes again. Yes, yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope singing serious praises. He is starstruck. Dallin Hall, first of all, this cat is like some kind of cross between Zach Efron and Brad Pitt. <laughs> yes, the BYU hoop signing Dallin Hall joins us via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. So Dallin... Uh, what do you think of the comparisons by your head coach to Zach Efron and Brad Pitt? Um, I, <laughs> I don't know where to start. I'm, I can't, I'm not an actor, but <laughs> so I don't know where that's coming from. I'm just a hooper, but I'll take it. <laughs> but is it your looks? I mean, what, what, what is it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just a really outgoing guy. Um, I love to have a good time. So I'm always laughing and, those guys crack me up, so I'm always laughing with them. And I don't know if that's what he gets from me, then that's what he got. <laughs> Give us a sense of uh, – Mark Pope is, uh, you know, mildly crazy in a great way. Um, <laughs> what what did he do in recruiting you that you were like, whoa, this guy's different? Um, it was funny, actually. He, uh, he recruited me super hard, um, and then as soon as I was – they were one of my top options. It's almost like he tried to not recruit me. He tried to tell me like every reason, like why I shouldn't go there. He said, if you don't want to work as hard as you want to work, then I'm not the guy you want to come play for. And it was kind of weird, but it actually like, he, it helped me know what he's about. And he was relentless as long as, along with all of his assistant coaches and they pursued me each and every day. And I got a ton of phone calls (laughs) and, I don't know. Coach Pope just has good energy about him, and I think that's what uh, was the biggest draw for me. Dallin, I saw you at BYU Senior Night, uh, the Gonzaga-BYU spectacle, and uh, hard not to be overwhelmed in a great way by the atmosphere, but uh, what did that experience do to kind of solidify 
you wanting to play for BYU? I would say that game um, was huge for me, and I was already uh, down to them as one of my top schools. But when you see uh, them beat a team as big as Gonzaga and in that fashion with everyone there, um, just made the choice a lot easier for sure. Give us a sense of when BYU got on your radar. And I, th- I think it's been a while, right? Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, before Coach Pope had gone there, they kind of they came to one game or a few, and but they hadn't said much. And then when Coach Pope made the transition from UVU, he just called me like that first day on the job, and he said, "Hey, I want you to know that wherever I'm going, you have an offer there." And I, that was big time to me um, to make the call that first day. And I was actually in Hawaii with my fam when I answered. So, I mean, I was super grateful and. BYU had then became one of my top schools because of Mark Pope. Did, was his number in your phone or was it a random number? It was in my phone from UVU. Nice. <laughs> They're like, Mark Pope, UVU? I'm not going there. <laughs> no, just kidding. Dallin uh, Hall with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, let's. Uh, I, I want to bring up something that happened in the state championship uh, or after the state championship. You win a 6A title with Fremont High School. And one Donovan Mitchell wants to talk with you. So an NBA All-Star is giving you props. Explain what that moment was like. That was crazy. Uh, I was a little awestruck, and I didn't really know what to say, so I was mostly just the listener in the conversation. But he was a great dude. Um, He just congratulated me, and I was super grateful for him and all that he does for our state. I mean, that's big time for a guy of his uh, caliber to come out to high school games and support the state. So I was just super grateful and it meant a lot for me to shout me out on Twitter. Um, and that's my guy. I like, I can't wait to watch him back on the court. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see. Uh, are you the greatest, uh, you know, future BYU athlete from Fremont ever? I'm trying to remember. Was it Jared Jensen? Jared Jensen went to Fremont. Who's, Jared who's, Jensen. Who, who's the greatest BYU Fremont guy? As of right now, I would say it's probably him, but I'm hoping to change that. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Hey, 22 points a game uh, your senior year. What do you feel like you can bring to BYU basketball right now? Um, I think I can bring – I'm able uh, – the biggest part of my game is I elevate the players around me, and I've always done that since I was a little kid. And so I can't wait to play with uh, – five D one guys all at the same four other D one guys all on the court together and see how I can make them better and how they can elevate my game as well. So I think I can, me and coach Pope, I think uh, I can learn a lot from him and he'll take my game to the next level and I'll help BYU become a great team, even though they already are one. So just trying to make them better. There's a lot of dudes that put up like 22, 23 game, but I'm really impressed by your almost eight rebounds and seven assists, that overall game for you. And I believe it was in the state tournament, right? You had a single-digit scoring game, and then you had like a, like a high 30s, low 40s game. Where did that – and you mentioned you've been doing that since you were young, kind of elevating everyone around you. Where, where does that come from to where you could have that versatility to go, okay, i got to score a bunch today versus i got to set everybody else up? It comes from my dad, honestly. Um, he taught me since I was a little kid to make the right play. And so I just always tried to take what the defense gives me. Whether that be they collapse, I make the easy kick out, and then after I do that a few times, the defense can't help. So just whenever I make the right play, it makes the game feel easy. 
Dallin Hall with us on BYU Sports Nation, recent BYU basketball signee. Dallin, what's life like for you right now, uh, having high school finished at home and not being able to graduate in normal fashion and kind of having uh, your high school career come to an abrupt end? It's kind of crazy. Um I'm just kind of lifting a ton, hanging out with my family. And I feel super bad for those uh, spring sport guys, especially the seniors. Um, I don't know what I would have done if our season was cut short. So my heart goes out to those guys. But honestly, I'm just trying to make the best of it and just take what life gives me, I guess. I'm I'm pretty chill guy. I just kind of go with the flow. (laughs) Well, if you're a mix of Zac Efron and Brad Pitt, I think you got to have some chill, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is true. You have your mission call to the Philippines. Remind us when you're supposed to leave. Um, So I would report, I report June 24th. And whether that's to my downstairs basement online or to Provo remains to be seen. So hopefully it's the MTC, but We'll see. You're in for a real treat with the uh, safety zone, by the way, the safety videos. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring the, these two clowns and a, uh, a friend of ours, Vivian. So, yes. Yeah, good, good luck with that. We'll help you stay safe, Dallin. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, I mean, what is that like? Because, yeah, you don't know if you're going to your basement or uh, the Philippines. I mean, that, that's got to be mm. a little weird right now, right? It is pretty weird. Um, I'm just waiting to hear more, and until then, I'll just keep living life till whatever comes, comes. How much basketball are you playing right now, and, and where can you even play basketball? Uh, I have a hoop outside, so that's about where I play most of my basketball. Sometimes I'll go to the church just by myself, but I don't know. My favorite thing is always to play pickup, so it sucks right now that I can't get our team together and play some pickup, but... What can you do? Listen, I'm not as good as you. Uh, I'm like one one hundredth of what your skill is. And I miss pickup in the mornings with my guys. You know what I mean? That's, that's tough right now. Um, yeah, Mark Pope yeah. mentioned that your mom and dad were um, athletes in college. Give us a little bit of the background of your family there. Okay. My mom was a college athlete at Weber State. She did high jump. So those cool dunks, all, all to her. I, mean, I got to <laughs> give her the credit she's due. She would slap me, but <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's big time and she's super supportive. And then my dad, um, he played at Salt Lake Community College, and I mean, he was a great player, and he's always he's taught me a lot about the game. I mean, it's growing up; it's just been me and him working. So I've been my uh player iq has basically derived from him my most of my life and i'm super grateful for all the knowledge he's given me dallin everybody is always interested in knowing well who was in your top five or your top three so who are the other schools that were competing with uh byu uh when you before you made your decision the i would say the top four i had it down to was uh weaver state utah state BYU and then Oregon State. Um, so mostly those in-state schools were a big draw for me. I kind of want to stay closer to home, but Oregon State was great too because Coach Tinkle, he's a good dude out there. Absolutely. Well, we are really looking forward to, one, interacting you uh, with you via the safety zone, but also when you come to BYU and play, it's going to be a ton of fun. Congratulations on the decision, and uh, it'll be one you won't regret, man. It's going to be awesome. 
Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you very much, you guys. Got, hey, stay safe. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to traverse through uh, the pandemic situation. And like Jerem said, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, I can't wait. Thanks, guys. You got a Dallin Hall on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Skype. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. I called my shot a couple days ago. He'll be a first-team All-WCC player at some point. He's, He's got that- like He has that potential. Travis Hansen. Travis Hansen, dude. If he is, you know, close to Travis Hansen, if not, if not better, that's going to be awesome. Similar Mark, type player. Yes. Good defender, rangy, scorer, dog on the floor. Yeah. This staff really wanted him and pushed really hard to get him, so this was a really good gift for BYU. Fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We had the opportunity to speak with NFL hopeful Austin Lee, former BYU standout safety, yesterday. He was uh, locked up in his car because there's that. madness happening inside <laughs> his home with his children. Uh, shout out to uh, Austin's wife because she's doing some serious work in there with those kids. Um, but you're going to get a good look at what family life is like for Austin and how he balances all of that with football, not to mention making the decision to transfer from Utah to BYU. Austin Lee is our feature of Deep Blue, presented by Tim Daly Nissan. The whole recruiting process was different in high school. Growing up, you're really interested in the state schools that are around here. Utah was obviously one of the first schools that came into the picture. So when they offered, I, I committed right away. Just always thought that he would be a great player there, you know. And, and um, I think when I left, he went on a mission, came back, and it wasn't working out for him there. It was different from what I, I felt in the recruiting process. That was difficult for him. And then on top of that, we were first married, and then we were expecting our first kid. So everything was challenging. For a while, I was actually thinking about transferring, and finally I just was talking to my coach, and I was like, you know what, I just, I just don't feel comfortable here. It's not a good fit for me. And they wouldn't release me. You, know, you have to get a release to be able to contact other schools. And so not having that release, I actually had to go to Salt Lake Community College to earn an associate's degree. And once I was able to go there, earn my degree, uh, that release didn't matter as much. And so it was a hardship because here I was used to being on scholarship at Utah. I wasn't used to no income, so I had to go get a job. I was still trying to train with a very supportive wife. I think anyone who's in love with someone loves to see them happy and be successful in what they want and desire. It was it was a very hard time financially, but I've never been so close to my family. It's a different type of feeling being here at BYU after experiencing all that. I think anytime we can take a JC transfer from Slick, it's a, that's a big pickup for us, you know, given they don't have a football program or anything quick fire and it is intercepted Austin Lee far side I say this a lot anytime as a a football player you have to experience those types of things you know his first opportunity didn't work out the way he he thought and then had to overcome a couple obstacles just to get here Uh, anytime uh, you have to go through those obstacles or those hurdles I think it makes you a dangerous player uh, because of the sacrifices and the extra time you've had to put in to get where you're at. Those types of players tend to appreciate the opportunity more had they not had to experience. Just really thankful that we got him here. So it's, it's interesting how things work. 
Not many college athletes or anyone on this team actually has two kids. It's different, but it's and unique, but it's a blessing in our lives. Balancing life with Austin and football can be challenging. Let's go! But it's so fun that we get to be a part of it, and we're grateful that they are so open to families here at BYU because we feel like part of the team, too. These kids have you know, 122 uncles on the team. Ledger's uh, three and a half years old, and Romy's about one and a half, and uh, Ledger's something else. Uh, he's, he's, he's our boy, and he's... He's crazy. He loves BYU football. He loves to come and he loves to see, he knows the whole BYU fight song. He will tell Austin sometimes that his favorite player is like Zane or Troy or Micah. And I think it does kind of eat at Austin, but he knows that he loves his dad the most. <laughs> Again, it's it's hard not to notice the relationship that he has with his family, especially his kids as well. I mean, when we're in the locker room celebrating after wins you know he's he's got his son in there dancing with the team you know and his really i think the all the players enjoy uh ledger a lot more than they enjoy austin you know he's kind of like he's the real mvp he's got a um a lot he's playing for for more than himself and i think that's one of the reason uh reasons why our guys resonate with him so much because they see how much he cares about this game and, and you know, things other than himself. And so just been really, really happy to be here while he's here, to watch him play and the place he's made and the passion he has for the game. So the way I balance, you know, school, uh, football, and life is I had to really learn to be present in what I do. Be at football when you're at football and be at home when you're at home. I try to get my stuff done and be present so that I can be present at home and be as supportive as a father and as a husband as I can. It's fun just to see all his teammates and his position group really embrace, you know, his son and his, his daughter and his, and his family. Because that's what we are, right? That's what we're always trying to preach is that we're family and him and that the, the, his teammates together have, have really uh, taken that to a whole new level just with how involved uh, his family is with our program. What a huge weekend coming up for Austin and Courtney Lee and their two beautiful children as Austin hopes that just maybe his name is called in the later rounds. If not, he will end up yes, in he a will. camp. He will have a free agent contract. And uh, he told us yesterday he feels like the knowledge of the game that he brings, especially in a quarantine situation where, hey, a team... They give you a playbook. They expect you to show up and be ready to go. He feels like he can handle that because um, he's a really smart guy. So we'll see how, how it works out. Yeah, good luck to, uh, to the Lees as well as everybody uh, looking to hear their names called over the next uh, couple of days. All right, Jerem, in golf, uh, if they had jersey numbers, then Peter Quest would definitely be in the conversation for the best to wear it. Yeah. But it turns out they don't have numbers. There are several sports to be that do have numbers, and that's what we're discussing now. The best to wear it. We'll ask this question each day as we decide and determine the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. We started with Brandon Davies, number zero yesterday. Today it is numero uno, Jerem. Chase Fisher, uh, some of the other nominees, Todd Watkins, uh, Chelsea Ooh. Goodman, Charles Boo, Omar Morgan. There have been some good ones. Chase Fisher played two seasons at BYU, transferred from Wake Forest. He was a Mark Pope get because Mark was in, uh, you know, the ACC working over there. Uh, he's in the BYU record books 139 times from the two years. His name is mentioned 
139 times. Holy cow! Obviously a tremendous shooter, averaged almost 16 a game, shot 39% from three. Career high, 41 in a game, hit nine threes. He could he could make a shot at any point, and uh, he had the accent. I think he came on the show one time and he said, "I'm about three things: God's gun." And America, uh-huh. and uh, that was like the greatest quote in the history of the show. I love Chase Fisher. <laughs> a well-deserved honor for the former number one Chase Fisher. He was a big part of BYU, upsetting Gonzaga multiple times. Went to the NCAA tournament with BYU last time they uh, were there in 2015. Got BYU to an NIT Final Four along with Kyle Collinsworth. You brought up Todd Watkins. Todd Watkins might be the best deep threat that BYU football has ever had. Omar Morgan provided one of the greatest plays in BYU football history. But we're talking consistency, just night-to-night greatness. Chase Fisher is the guy. Yeah, Chelsea Gunman was legit women's volleyball as well. So he he was really fun uh, to watch play. And, and you thought every time he shot a three out, I thought it was going. Like that, like Jake Toulson, TJ Haas this year, that feeling, Alex Barcelo, where you're like, oh, this is going in. Connor Harding. For a while there, it did go in every time for Connor Harding. Um, It was fun to watch. So Chase Fisher, the best to wear it and number one. Remember when he made nine three-pointers in the first half of the EA Sports, at the time, Maui Invitational? EA Sports, it's in the game? 20, what was that, 2014, 2015? Against Chaminade? Yes, but the thing is, it was against Chaminade. Awesome. But he, he'd gone nine for nine from the three-point line in the first half, and he had stolen Twitter. He had stolen sports. Everyone was, was like, talking like, about Oh, my gosh, it's like Chase the Fisher! Of the yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it was late afternoon here, early-ish there. But, yeah, that's, that's awesome. It was fun to watch, man. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Skype. Kevin Nixon, former BYU basketball standout. And a guy who over the weekend released a list of uh, unbelievable competitors that he has played against. Kevin, let's talk about this list of players. Uh, First and foremost, at the top, Michael Jordan. What's the story there? Because you're basically a decade his junior and it didn't happen in the NBA. So how, how did this come all come together? So I started at uh, Northwestern University, signed with them out of high school. And uh, so being in Chicago and in the late 80s, um, had an opportunity to, in the summers, um, doesn't say much about my uh, academic career. I had to go to summer school, but uh, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the summers we had uh, – I spent a lot of time going to Cubs games, uh, trying to pick up my grades, and uh, every now and again, we had an opportunity to go play uh, against some of the Bulls uh, down at their practice facility, and and uh, Michael Jordan was there a couple of times, and just, uh, you know, when I was in junior high, I had his posters, I had his, you know, he was my favorite player in college, and so to be able to go and play against him even in a, a pickup setting was just uh, was just kind of a dream come true. Did you ever get switched on to him defensively? That's <laughs> funny you say that. I, I don't really remember, um, so I'm guessing it didn't happen because if it did, I would remember. So um, um, he was pretty much running circles around me and everybody else. So <laughs> I, when you say switch on, 
yeah, I might have been chasing him in transition or something like that. <laughs> Good luck. Um, when yeah. it comes to your experience in Chicago, apparently you got to go to a lot of uh, Chicago Bulls games as well. I did. Yeah, I, uh, interesting story there. My, uh, my freshman roommate at Northwestern was Brendan Brown, and uh, he was a, a walk-on and a, a team manager uh, kind of similar to the to the uh, Scotty Pippen story, except he didn't turn into a superstar. But uh, he's the son of Hubie Brown, uh, CBS Sports broadcaster at the time, NBA coaching legend, and at the time, obviously the Bulls were a big uh, a big ticket, and and you know it was a a, a pretty important game uh, usually with Michael Jordan and and uh, and Scotty Pippen, so. CBS did a ton of games, and I was uh, kind of the the beneficiary of being roommates with uh, with Hubie's son Brendan, and we spent a lot of time at Chicago Stadium, and uh, so we got to see probably in, in those two seasons saw probably twenty games, uh, give or take, and at least six playoff games. So um, it was a hoot, and of course, you know, Hubie Brown got those they got he got those tickets, so we were uh, we were pretty close to. Uh, to the floor and got to see Michael Jordan up close and personal. It was uh, it was a fun little run. Uh, yeah, we're we're all jealous now, Kevin. And uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've discussed on this show. It's it's about having the right friends, and because you're our friend, we will contact you later to see what you can do for us. Is that cool? <laughs> hey, I got you. If Michael Jordan comes back and plays, I got tickets for you. <laughs> okay, back to your list, which is incredible, including the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning, and the list goes on and on. Shaq jumps out to me because I know that BYU, you played against him in LSU in the NCAA tournament. What's your favorite story about Shaq? Well, I, I don't know if it was favorite because he just dominated us. Um, you know, we had just gotten done winning the WAC championship, and on that Saturday night um, in Fort Collins, we get back to, to Utah. We get together to find out who we're going to play, and then we find out our reward for winning the WAC championship tournament or the tournament championship was to play LSU and Shaquille O'Neal. So <laughs> we were all excited. We thought it was pretty cool. We didn't think it was real fair. We were trying to figure out how we were going to guard him and you know, he was just he was just so dominant. And the interesting thing about it is he set the NCAA tournament record that game for block shots in an NCAA tournament game. And so, um, you know, if you go back, there's there's a few places you can go and see actually all 11 blocks consecutively. <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see that my I was not blocked until the 11th one. Mm. So I waited until I could get into the record book with <laughs> as his eleventh as his eleventh block of the game set in the NCAA tournament record. But uh, I razz all my teammates, Russ Larson and Gary Trost and and, uh, and Jared Miller. I thank those guys for uh, letting him block all their shots so I could get in the record book with him. I think Russ Larson's joked he contributed five shots to that or something. But yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Let- it was. So in that in that range, but yeah, ridiculous amount. Yeah, let's finish with this. Did, you played against Michigan, so you, you get Chris Weber and and uh, Juwan Howard and Jalen Rose and all those guys, Jim Jackson, all those guys. Um, so was that the Fab Five team? Was that that year when they were all freshmen, or was it when was yeah, that? So it was, yep, it was the Fab Five team. We we played uh, them in Florida, played at uh, Orlando's Arena, and 
matched up with them in the first round of the Red Lobster Classic, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was they, there was a ton of hype around them, and uh, I tell everybody it was it was the battle of the uh, long shorts versus the short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> they brought the they brought the new long style of shorts in, and we were still stuck in the. Uh, I was going to say the '90s, but everybody was still in the '90s. So um, it was a good game. We lost by three. Uh, I tell everybody I helped Chris Weber to thirty, and uh, just like I helped Shaq to thirty-six. So. <laughs> Kevin, it's great to talk to you. Hey, and the short shorts are coming back, my friend. So uh, all trends will come back around. Yep, short shorts and mustaches. Thanks to Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Great talking with you, man. Take care and stay safe. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. You got Kevin Nixon on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Skype. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Other names we didn't mention. Danny Manning, uh, Steve Smith, Kendall Gill, Bobby Hurley. This wasn't him just tweeting, hey, I played against these guys. He was responding to a tweet that someone threw out, like, hey, who are the best players you've ever played in pickup? And it was, or in a game. Just, just played. And I was against. like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, that's. So he hits a buzzer beater against Oklahoma for BYU to earn the right to play Duke at the Maui Invitation. So that's how they get Christian Leitner and Bobby, Bobby Hurley. Hurley. And Grant Hill, probably, right? Yes, correct. Wow, that's amazing. Not bad for a guy that didn't play in the NBA. Not bad. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Last night in the ESPN's documentary, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan says everyone needs to talk about Scottie Pippen when they mention Michael Jordan. They formed one of the most inseparable duos in sports history. Regarding BYU, who's the most inseparable duo in BYU history? Man, there are some great ones. Steve Young, Gordon Hudson, Jimmer Fredette, Jackson Emery, Max Hall, Dennis Pitta. But for me, it's two guys that only need their first names, Jerem. Taysom and Jamal. I'll say their full names out of respect. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. Out of respect. (laughs) Are my cream of the crop dynamic duel when it comes to BYU athletics. An NFL backfield we're talking about. One is the all-time leading rusher at BYU, and the other has worked his way into becoming the Swiss Army knife of the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. And barring four season-ending injuries at BYU – Taysom Hill would have been a Heisman finalist in 2014, right? Could have been. Or 15? Could have been. And remembered with the likes of the BYU quarterback factory greats. They even came back for a super senior season together in 2016. It was weird, but it worked out that way. And they helped BYU to the only nine-win season in the Kalani Satake era. Probably should have been like 11 wins, but that's a discussion for another day. Mm -hmm. It is Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. You mentioned them together. They were here together. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. I, I really wish those two, due to the toughness of, toughness of the schedule slash injury, they never got a 10-plus win season and never beat Utah. Those two stick in my craw a little bit. And it's not their fault. I think there were, like I said, injuries in the schedule kind of played into that. But I, duo is interesting, right? Because if there's a great trio, I don't think of it as a duo. So there were a ton of those, especially recently, right? Think about Beck and Brown and Harlan. You think about Hall and Pitta and Unga and even Collie. When you look at the 08 season, that, that team, unfortunately, had to play two teams that were unbelievable in Utah and TCU that year. Otherwise, the 08 team is one of the greats. Um, but when you talk about duo, there's one that sticks out for me. It's, it's a duo 
that beat two ranked teams that finished in the top 20. It's a duo that only had one loss in a season. It's a duo that finished top 10. And it's a duo that were both consensus All-American in the same year. Whoa. And it's Steve Young and it's Gordon Hudson. Okay. Uh, the, the, one of the great uh, quarterbacks at BYU, uh, I think he's number three in BYU history. And then the greatest uh, non-quarterback in BYU history, question mark, Gordon Hudson. He's the only non-head coach or quarterback in the College Football Hall of Fame from BYU. I rest my case. Gordon Hudson was legit. He was so legit that in his senior year, after being hurt in the eighth game, he was still a consensus All-American. That's how good that man, number 95, Gordon Hudson was. So I, I think that there are a lot of twosomes around that you could say, yeah, 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 they were amazing. But when it's, when it's three guys, I don't set, tend to think of just two of them. I tend to think of three of them. So that hurts this conversation. If we start going to trios, now there's like this expansive, sure. awesome list. Also, a duo um, kind of points out, as it does with Michael and Scotty, is they were the two clear best players. Like, Rodman is a Hall of Famer, and you could argue a part of a trio, but not really. He was just the rebounder defender. I say just. He was a rebounder defender. Um, when you talk about duos, uh, certainly the last couple of years there have been some good ones. Jimmer and Jackson stick out. And then you look at, like, Danny Ainge, and he had a lot of good players on that team with him. A lot of good players. Roberts, Greg Kite. Like, those guys played in the NBA for a long time. So it's hard for me to just pick one. So duos means you had two clear alphas that dominated, and they go from there. Yes. To me, the duo conversation requires that they're mentioned right side by side, right? Jimmer and Jax, Taysom and, and Jamal. That there's not a clear third with them. Michael and Scotty, yeah. Jordan and Pippen, whatever. Yeah. Like, exactly. There is, it is a two-man thing, and their names are almost synonymous with each other. So if your team was too good with too many good guys, you're out of this conversation. You know what I mean? If you had a third dude that was awesome. Stockton and Malone. Right. But you don't go, and Adrian Dantley. Like, you don't, you don't throw them. And Greg Ostertag. Mark Brown. Regardless of what sports you're talking about, when it comes to the draft, there are certain buzzwords that you hear over and over, and one of those is upside. And it would be funny to actually count the number of times the word upside is used to describe a player in the draft. You probably you probably have quite a few marks on your paper. Let's play NFL draft bingo, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Make that board. So, so because we are all about buzzwords, who has the biggest upside for the upcoming BYU football season. Ah, okay. I like that we're bringing it back to BYU here. Upside, I'm going to give you a name on each side of the ball. Why? Because I can. On the offensive side of the what, ball, Are you going to tell him no? Come on. It's Devontae Henry Cole. Run DHC. The transfer in graduate fashion from the University of Utah, I think, has serious upside, especially behind that BYU yep. offensive line. I love thinking about what Devontae Henry Cole is capable of at BYU. We all knew that after Tyson Williams left, BYU needed one more guy in that running backs room. An an immediate injection of help and support and a guy that is, in the word of the day, durable. Devontae Henry Cole. And if you're watching on BYU TV, you're watching him do work against the Trojans of USC. I like his game, Jason. 
He is shifty. He's strong. He can bounce off tackles. Different type of running back than Tyson Williams. Yeah. But his physicality is what's going to set him apart. Devontae Henry Cole has the highest upside for me on the offensive side of the ball for BYU. Okay, you give me your guy, and then I'll give you my defensive guy. Well, one other thing about DHC is the fact that, and I think this was brought up by one of the coaches, and I can't remember who brought it up, but because of his speed, and you brought up how physical he is, because of his speed, a lot of people don't think he can be both. That he's that if you're that fast, you're probably not that physical. Well, he he is both, and I think that's what makes so many people excited about him. It's because he does have both aspects to his game. Sure, the start stop is real. Yeah. So, all right. So for me, my upside, and this may sound a little strange going with the starting quarterback, <laughs> but I'm going to say Zach Wilson. I think has the the biggest upside for this team next year. If you look at Zach's career, I, I think he's only scratched the surface, and obviously injuries played a role, especially last year. Yes, and I think because of that, you know, obviously when he came back, there just there he just wasn't in sync, and the injury really took that away from him being able to continue that growth. Both injuries, yeah, both, right? yeah, both injuries. So, so this is a situation where I think the closest thing we saw to that was the end of his freshman season where he started those seven games in a row. He really started to get in rhythm, and obviously the way he played in the bowl game speaks for itself. But this is still a guy that most people believe can play at the next level. And yes, he's going to have to earn the starting job. He's going to have to earn it. But I think Zach Wilson can get so much better than even the glimpses that we've seen. Right now, 3,960 yards is what he's thrown. He uh, has a 64% uh, completion percentage. 23 TDs and 12 INTs. Probably more INTs than what you want, but this is a guy that's going to take some chances, and that just goes with guys that are going to do that. You're probably going to have a higher interception uh, rate than, than normally. But I, I think that the best is yet to come for him, so I still think that there's more upside for him to reach. Okay, Zach Wilson, and I'm with you there. Because he is finally healthy, his shoulder is good. Yep. He's had adequate time to rest it. His thumb is fine. He's not trying to get back too soon because BYU's other quarterbacks were hurt. Jaron Hall's out with a concussion. (laughs) Baylor Romney's got turf toe. So Zach Wilson feels like, hey, I got to get back. He couldn't grip the ball. So, yes, the upside for Zach Wilson is very high. And NFL scouts agree. How many times have we heard it from NFL guys? Oh, the highest upside on the team yeah. of any player is Zach Wilson. Well, and even, even national broadcasters coming in to do the games talk about we're him playing in the NFL. Him, we're waiting to see him flourish. Okay, I promised you I'd give you a defensive guy. I will do that later in the show because i got to give love to my guy on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, Mark Pulp is number one, according to CBS Sports. Let's double down on the news we just mentioned about BYU's charismatic wonderfully expressive, uber-talented, and partially crazy basketball coach. He took a program that went 19-13 and and didn't earn a spot in the NIT and turned it into a top-15 program nationally. Had arguably the nation's best offense, factually the nation's best three-point shooting team, traversed a ridiculous nine-game suspension of his best player, brought Jake Toulson back, recruited Alex Barcelo to BYU, maneuvered several key injuries to key players, and still had BYU as a projected six seed in the NCAA tournament. Oh, and the Cougars would have been headed back to the dance for the first time in five years. Jerem was Mark Pope's first year, the greatest opening year of any coach in BYU athletics history. It's up there for sure. It was incredible. What Mark Pope did with the team that didn't even make the NIT, didn't play in the postseason at all, 
was unbelievable. And how fun was it? However, I don't think that it's the, the answer to the question. Really? The greatest first-year head coach in BYU history was Gary Croton Whoa! in 2001. Hear me out. BYU gets the OC from the Bears. He had had some success at Louisiana Tech uh, in his second year there. Uh, he had a little-known DB coach by the name of Bronco Mendenhall, who later joins him at BYU when he becomes the head guy. BYU was 6-6, six and six, got a miracle win at Utah. Luckily, uh, review wasn't there because Luke Staley definitely fumbled. Otherwise, BYU is 5-7 and seven that year. <laughs> but it was a miracle, and it was awesome. BYU starts the season 12-0, and 0, and they lead the nation in points per game and total offense that year. 46.8 and 524 yards a game. It was awesome, man. 12-0, and 0, amazing. BYU has this uh, game rescheduled from 9-11 to, uh, against Mississippi State to after the end of the regular season, after the Utah win, wins the Mountain West. BYU's 11-0. Luke Staley breaks his leg in that game, oh. and that changes everything. BYU got as high as 8 in the AP poll, 12 in the BCS. Luke Staley breaks his leg. BYU then loses 72-45 at Hawaii. 72 is the most points BYU's ever given up, by the way. Hawaii was pretty good, 9-win team that year. And then uh, 28-10 loss in Liberty Bowl to a 10-win Louisville team. So Luke Staley kind of changes things for the season. I think if he plays, that BYU has a legit shot to finish undefeated because he won the Doak Walker Award. And he was so good, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Luke Staley led the nation in rushing TDs, TDs from scrimmage, and points. He won the Doak Walker Award. Now, here's my argument for why Gary Croton deserves this as opposed to anybody else. And Mark Pope's season is, like, right there, right? It's um, unbelievable. Imagine if a Luke Staley type on the men's basketball team had suffered a season-ending injury way late in the season. I, I would dare say the equivalent would be... Like, had BYU played the NCAA tournament, like in the WCC tournament, if Yoli Childs or Jake Toulson had gone down with something that d- d- blew up everything and they kind of stumbled to the finish a little bit. Yes, Yoli had a midseason thing and they overcame that, but um, I, I think that I think in football it's harder to have a season like this than basketball. We've seen randos have amazing basketball seasons and in uh, Loyola Chicago and VCU and, and Butler and whatever. I think it's harder in football to do what BYU did, especially coming off the legendary Lavelle Edwards last year. Yeah, there is something to that, but Mark Pope is coming off the legendary Dave Rose as well, who set the precedent at BYU. Who had a 6-6 six and six season of sorts, right? 19-13, and 13, the worst in his career. And for me, 2001, an incredible football season, but I am left a little bit with the taste of, well, who did BYU beat that season? Who did they have on the schedule? I'm, channel- I'm channeling my inner Bryant Gumble in 2001. So I give a little bit of an edge to Mark Pope because BYU beat some real teams, and he traversed so many of those challenges. So I'm going with 2020 BYU basketball. Top five team, in my opinion, all time in BYU basketball history. No argument there. First time BYU had won eight straight West Coast Conference games. Single-digit seed projected in the tournament. They were nationally relevant for the first time in forever. Since, really, Jimmer Fredette. They were, they were in that realm. Not quite to Jimmer Mania, but they were in the realm of being nationally relevant like that. They beat Gonzaga at home in the most epic senior night ever. Mark Pope rallied not just his team, but an entire fan base coming off just a super downer of a season. He made BYU basketball special again in one season following the great Dave Rose. He brought the right staff. It made all the difference. Mark Pope 
worked miracles. The fact that he there got there can be miracles. Jake Toulson to come over, Yoli Childs to come back, and then work through a nine-game suspension. Oh, and a finger injury. Jake Toulson's banged up. Zach Selyus hurts his ankle in Spain. Dalton Nixon messes up his leg. He worked through all of it. He figured it out. He made Colby Lee great. He brought the swagger back to Mr. Selyus. Mark Pope re-energized this team in a way that you know I hoped he would, but he surpassed my expectations by a long oh, shot. Oh, yeah, and it's going to be hard for him to have a better year than that at BYU. I know. Like, that, you don't want to peak early, but, you know, he's very ambitious. That was It was such a good year. Let me tell you the biggest miracle of all, though. A BYU running back winning the dope. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, so many amazing things um, for those first years. And it's nice because a lot of people say it takes time. It takes time to step. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you can go bang right away. 12-0 and 0 from Gary Croton. If Luke Staley doesn't break his leg, it's different. BYU right away with Pope. Bang! First year. Amazing. They beat Houston. It doesn't always take a they long time. They beat Gonzaga. They beat a good Utah State team. They beat people. It was fantastic. How dare you disparage Tulane and, <laughs> and Tom Homo's cow, you know, and Wyoming. It just... No, they, li, listen, a hallmark of excellent BYU football teams is that they didn't really play anybody. You know what I mean? 84 didn't play anybody. Unfortunately. And they won all the games, which is awesome. Now, I do want to mention something very quickly before we move on, Jerem, and that is Steve Cleveland did an amazing job taking over a program that went 1-25. Yeah. Okay, So while he didn't get the accolades of going to the tournament, that was one that I thought of. And uh, also Heather Olmstead takes over for her brother, Sean, and takes BYU women's volleyball back to the Sweet 16 in her first season. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's people that it's like, oh, it takes time. It, like, sometimes, sure. But that's an... Look, we just named multiple people that just do it in the they first do it. year. They just did it. You just you take the other players, you add a little bit, and then you add to it. It's awesome. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in our first guest of the day via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. He is a recent BYU basketball signee, a junior college transfer, Gideon George. Gideon, welcome to BYU Sports Nation for the first time. I appreciate you guys for having me here. Why did you pick Mark Pope and BYU when you had so many other options? Uh, not. I would say it's not really my decision because I prayed like I prayed about it and I talked to my brother. So because when I took my visit, I saw the relationship because the relationship me and Coach uh, Pope dude it went way beyond basketball because he came out to see me like a couple of times. So I spent time with him, I talked to him. So coming out of my visit and see because I see the way they interact with each other, their, their relationship, the way they love each other. I was like, yeah, that's the sport that will fit me. What did you know about BYU and Provo, Utah, before BYU started recruiting you? I know nothing about BYU. <laughs> <laughs> How much like do you know about BYU now? Uh, like a lot. Because I, I, I asked a lot of questions, though. 
Because I asked Coach Pope, I asked uh, Chris Borges a lot of questions. And I asked my teammates a lot of questions too. And I, I did my own research too. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll Google BYU. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of Google. Okay, so when you yeah. see when you see the Marriott Center and you see it rocking with almost twenty thousand people and BYU beating Gonzaga, what goes through your mind about when you think about playing in front of a crowd like that? Oh, I never played in front of a crowd like that before, so it's going to be like very very interesting and very very. I'm going to be very excited playing in front of a crowd like that. That the I. Um, like they are in support of me and they are backing me. So it's going to be fun playing uh, in front of a crowd like that. Gideon, you are from Nigeria. And I read that until you went to junior college in New Mexico, which is where you're joining us from now, you'd never mm-hmm. left your home country. Tell everybody a little bit about your background and your journey to the United States and then ultimately to BYU. Uh it's a tough process, but thank God for everything, though. So, um, I came from the family of five, so we are three boys and uh, two girls. So I stay in like Mina, Nigeria. So Mina is not like a very big town in Nigeria. So it started like I started playing basketball. Um, after my brother, because he started playing basketball before me, so I joined him. Funny enough, I told us like there's an inter- um, there's there's an interview I did. So I t- I told this funny story that uh, because my mom sent me to go call my brother when he was at the gym like practicing, so I went there to call him. Unfortunately for me, instead of me to go back home and go tell my mom that he's calling, right, the coach over there like. So I was like, nah, he gave me a ball and started drilling me and walking me out. <laughs> so, so that's how I just like called the story short. So I heard of a camp right in Oweri. So it's like a 10, 10 hours bus drive. Like um, Juku Advocate was coming in, Brandon Gobley. So my brother told me about the camp. So I saw some flyers on Instagram about the camp. So I went to the camp. I took a bus and went to the camp. So we were there at the camp. So, so this um, Juko advocate came with his bodies. So I participated in the camp. I played. So he saw me and he was like, "Yeah, I want. Yeah, he's really good." That's what he just <laughs> said. <laughs> so he was like, uh, "He will get me to junior college and." Stuff like that. He said he got his body over here, which Luke, uh, Luke Adams, the head coach of New Mexico, JC. So we went through the visa process the first time. I was denied. So the second time I tried again, so they gave me visa. I was surprised though for them giving me visa because I never expected me having visa. Funny enough, I went to the embassy for good six times. It was the seven times they gave me visa. Wow. wow. So it's crazy. My story has been... <laughs> <laughs> hey, lucky <laughs> seventh time, was, right? Yeah, like seven times. I was surprised because they didn't give me visa. I was like, wait, is this visa or what? <laughs> <laughs> is this real? Probably makes yeah. you appreciate everything even more, knowing how hard it was to just get over here. 
You said what? It's, it probably makes you appreciate what you have now even more, knowing how difficult it was to even get here. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I'm very, very appreciative. So the story is like, so they told me I'm coming to um, New Mexico. I never, I never heard about New Mexico in my life before. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, in New Mexico, in America, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So they told me, yeah, New Mexico is in America. It's like the outskirts of America. I was like, wow. so I came, I came to America. The, uh, I landed at Dallas. So the assistant coach of New Mexico, JC, came out there to pick me up. So that's how it is. I played. Um, I played a season, starting off the bench before I, I get the starting position. Though. So I won the rookie of the year that season, um, the freshman of the year. So I, I make the all conference team. So my, this was a good, it was like the, the process because I met good people over here. So that's why it has been very easy for me out here so now getting you, yeah you made your mark at new mexico junior college as you mentioned you won a bunch of awards first team all conference you end up at byu what kind of an impact do you think you can make at byu what type of player are you for those that have never seen you play basketball cool. First of all, they got to watch my highlight on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They can do that. They can do that. Watch some highlights on YouTube. Maybe uh, who do you pattern your game after if it were to be an NBA player? Who, who do you like? Who do you try and play like? Uh, Kawhi. I love Kawhi. I love Kawhi Leonard because the way he got – because the way he – I would say he's just like a um, – He's like an all-rounder player. He can play multiple positions, so and he can defend. And I know that's one of the strengths of his game. He can defend. Even being the best player in the league, he can defend. So I see myself as that, like being able to guard, being able to score. So I can defend one to five. I can shoot the ball. I can score. Both in the post and outside, I can score. Outstanding. BYU fans are well aware of Kawhi Leonard. Yes, they and are. And what he did at San Diego State when he played against the great Jimmer Fredette at BYU. So uh, mm-hmm. they understand uh, just uh, how much gravity that comment carries. What's it like right now, Gideon, with you not being able to physically be in Provo around your teammates? How much do you communicate with the coaches and players? And, and just how strange is it that you've signed and – you're part of the team, but yet you, you can't be around any of your teammates. Oh, it's a crazy time right now. I'm not gonna lie. It's super tough. Well, I talk to my, uh, I talk to the coaching staff a lot. I talk to my teammates a lot because we do like this um, um, video, um, video workout, like every Monday or Wednesday and Friday. So I get to talk to them a lot. Gideon, uh, let's let's finish with this. Uh, what's your assuming that the lockdown goes away? When when are you hoping to arrive on campus and join your teammates at BYU? 
Man, I'm not gonna lie to you. I can't even wait to be out there. Like, I can't even wait for all this stuff to be over with. So, it's about, I was supposed to come like the end of May, like the 25th of May. I'm supposed to be out there. Okay, well, we hope that we see you on May 25th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> Gideon, we're excited to watch you play at BYU. Uh, fantastic story of how you got to Nigeria, from Nigeria to New Mexico, now to BYU. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Appreciate you, you guys. got it. Gideon George on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's roll out the best to wear it. Each day we look at the best athlete to ever wear a given jersey number at BYU. We started from the bottom, now we're here at number two. Two. There you go. Uh, Mike Wall is the best to ever wear it. Men's volleyball player, he was an opposite, 99 2. This guy was legit. Number one in BYU history and kills per set at 4.86. Now, he, he played two years Woo. in the side-out era and two years in the rally era. In the rally era, he has five of the top ten kill games. He's number six all-time in total kills, three-time all-conference honoree, two-time national champ, 99-01. He was the main guy on the 01 team in terms of main opposite. They had lots of weapons, three dudes with 400-plus kills. Well, Sean awesome. Olmstead might say he was the main guy in that 01 team. Okay. Uh, <laughs> members of... Two regular season MPSF championship teams, two NCAA championship teams, as mentioned. 2016 BYU Hall of Famer. He's still a USA Volleyball men's team staffer. He works with Gold Medal Squared as well. Mike Wall was the truth, man. So I'm supposed to be impressed with all that? Because I am. Yeah, he was awesome. Yes, Mike and we've Wall had him on the show. is incredible and a very well-deserving recipient of the best to ever wear at number two. That said, Jerem, there is... A case for BYU football's all-time leading receiver, Cody Hoffman. Absolutely. He quite literally is the best to ever wear it when you consider he's number one in career receiving yards, career touchdowns, career catches, career all-purpose yards, and the single-game record for touchdown catches with five. Including this one against Georgia Tech oh, in 2013 incredible. at home. Incredible. Oh. Hoffman compiled 260 catches between 09 and 2013 for over 3,600 yards, 33 career touchdowns, 18.2 yards per catch, Jerem. Cody's awesome. I loved Cody. He was so fun to watch. He was a power five receiver that was undervalued out of high school that BYU got. And he could hang with who BYU played. He could make those catches against good defenders. I still feel, however, that Austin Colley is the greatest receiver to ever play at BYU. He only played three years, and I think that Cody would have approximated Austin, but probably not passed Austin, and a lot of those had Austin stayed for four years. But I do love me some Cody Hoppin. Yeah, Hoppin, 18 games of the 100-plus receiving yards. 18! He's not a two-time national champion or All-American like Mike Wall, but it's tougher to do those things in football than men's volleyball just based on the number of teams and players competing in those given sports. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, great number twos, and there have been some awesome number twos at BYU. So. And Austin Lee was a number two at BYU, Jerem. Well, there you go. We talked to him earlier in the game. Fantastic.
We now welcome in a volleyball All-American in 2020, Will Stanley of number one ranked BYU men's volleyball on Skype via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Will, it's great to talk to you again, albeit over Skype. Congratulations first team on being a first-team yeah, All-American. That's pretty man. cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, one of two setters to do it, and you're one of three on your team to be named to the first team. So what do those awards mean to you? You know, I mean, it, it it's nice to kind of see the guys get recognized nationally, and especially with kind of the season we've had. But, I mean, it really does – it's a testament to our team and how – how well we came into it, you know, at the beginning of the year, all 19 of us and just kind of going to work. And, and, you know, the three of us aren't where we are without, you know, the guys behind us pushing us and in practice every day. So I think, I think this is more of a team award than it is an individual award. Yes. The three of us are individuals who got recognized, but, but we don't get to that point without, you know, you know, Brody pushing me and, and you know, Alex pushing Gabby and, and all the other outsides pushing Davide and Zach. So, I mean, I think, just taking it as a, you know, it's, it's a fruits of our labor and seeing all this, you know, all this getting recognized, but it really isn't just us three. It's, it's the whole team and, and how well we did as a team this year. Speaking of behind you, did you guys, did you just do the dishes? Is that a washcloth drying behind you? Oh yeah. That's a washcloth drying behind me. It's breakfast and, and you know, it's the kitchen, you know, college apartment. It's my only table. (laughs) I like the splash of color that you've added to the scenery. I I love it, dude. It's it's floral. It's Hawaiian floral. You know, I'm bringing a little bit of home. I was going to ask. Yeah. You look like you got a haircut. I need a haircut. Where'd you get your haircut? You know, so you might remember him, Jaron, but uh, the GCU middle, Alex Smeliff, the, the rush, the bald guy. Yeah. 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 Said he could cut hair. Said he was his first time doing it, so I went and had him cut my hair. You know? <laughs> it looks good for his first time. He's he's around. Yeah, his first haircut. Yeah, he's he lives in Utah. So I mean, it was you know I see him or I've seen him around, talked to him about playing volleyball. So he was he was there, and I I talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, I can cut your hair. That's that's right. He went to Slick or something. Some story that I'm trying to remember, but yeah, okay. I may have to exchange numbers with you later. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's talk about um, not only the the All Americans, but what was it like to? And you've done this for a couple of years now, but what was it like to set guys like Gabby Garcia Fernandez and Davide Gardini and Zach Eschenberg, two on the first team All American, and then one honorably mentioned in Zach? So all three pinheaders All Americans. You know, I mean, I, I remember going into the beginning of the year and, and talking to Sean about you know what our options were this year and, and who we had on the pins, and it was just like, hey, you know, you you can be a first team all American if you're, if you're able to set these guys and, and, you know, and he had this like trust and this faith in me that I'm going to go in and I'm going to, I'm going to set guys who are physical, big athletes. And it's, I, I told a lot of, every time people ask me like, Hey, like you had a great game setting. I was like, I mean, I could close my eyes and set the ball. And, and I mean, I was going to get a kill most of the time with who I had hitting. So, you know, it's, it's always nice to have guys who are big physical and, and go up and just can hit any set you give them. And, and, you know, we, we built a strong relationship over the year, I think. And, over the past couple of years, especially me, Zach, David, and Gabby, just because we played together so much and and we've been together for two years now, it's just you know you have it's kind of like that quarterback receiver relationship where you have to you know you have to be on the same page with all the time. So being able to to build that relationship off the court was a big thing for the three of us this year. BYU volleyball first team All American setter Will Stanley with us on BYU Sports Nation. I think every volleyball fan wants to know. If you are coming back officially to make another run at it after you had your senior season cut short, Will? You know, we I'm on a good page with Brian and a good page with Sean, and, and we're, we've are we talked about it, and, um, you know, I've scheduled my classes for the fall, so uh, I'll be back. I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's go. You know, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. That's great. That's like the you know, best. 
it's just there's a lot you know i mean we couldn't we couldn't i couldn't me personally i couldn't end my byu career not knowing what could have happened you know and and BYU has given me so much and and I've just the best thing I could do for me is you know to come back and be able to push for a national championship and try to bring a national championship back to BYU this is great news and part of the experience for us still doing the show live is we're asking athletes that were seniors are you coming back and they say yes or some have you know said no and they're moving on so it's been cool that way do you feel like you would have won the national title do you feel like you would have matched up with Hawaii uh, in a couple weeks here, and it would have been round three at George Mason. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the way just the way we progressed and the way we were playing, we never really looked at the season as wins and losses. It was, you know, like, can we get better every game? And I think that mindset helped us to just, you know, push. And, and I think with the way we were getting better every single game and learning from our – even after that loss in Hawaii, you know, you could tell that week of practice was – it was, you know, it wasn't, oh, we just lost to Hawaii. It was – we have to get ready for Stanford and we're going to, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to do our best against Stanford. So I think, I mean, it would have been exciting. I think it was going to be us, you know, Hawaii, Santa Barbara down there in the end and, and competing for a national championship. And I felt like, you know, with the mindset we had and, and the talent we had, I think it's, it's tough to say that we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be there. We wouldn't be fighting for a national championship, you know, in the next in two weeks. Have you had adequate time to process through the unexpected and unprecedented shutdown of your season, or are you still kind of working through those emotions? You know, the first the first couple of weeks, for sure, when when just everything started to kind of fall apart with you know just school and and the season, and it was it was tough. You know, guys, we would try to get together, and it's nice that you know I have Mickey and Link who live with me to be able to you know talk through it with them. But the first couple of weeks were hard, and then once you you know, we, we've been talking to Craig still and getting, you know, having Craig Manning come in and, and give us, you know, his tips and mental strength stuff and just being able to kind of push through that. And, you know, it's, that's out of our control and it's in the past. So now it's, you know, what can we focus on in the present, you know, getting better. So I started, you know, working out every day, doing anything I can to just, you know, get my mind off of what had happened. And that's that's been a big thing for me is just, you know, getting in and doing a workout every day just so I'm ready. You know, I can be ready in the fall because my summer was cut short last year because of the injury and rehabbing. So now that I can start my summer workouts, you know, in March instead of June or July, like it's, it's just like, Hey, I can be this much better for August. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And I think I've processed it and, and, you know, I've gotten everything out and it's just, let's get ready for next year. I need to take some of that advice because I looked in my phone and saw that the MPSF semifinals would be tomorrow night and uh, likely in Provo. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, come on. I don't want to see that. Let's finish with this. (laughs) Will. um, we're waiting to hear about the ABCA National Coach of the Year, perhaps Sean Olmstead, and tomorrow the ABCA National Player of the Year, perhaps Gabby Garcia Fernandez. Make the case for those two to win those awards. You know, for for Sean, it's I mean, you just look at our performance from the last two years. I think we, we didn't change anybody, no personnel changes, no coaching staff changes, and and we went from being a you know subpar five hundred team to being the best team in the country you know, 17 and one best, almost the best attacking team in the country. And, and it's just, Sean's such a good, I mean, Sean's such a good player coach. I think anybody that that's looking at, you know, BYU and you want a coach who's going to understand you and, and put you in the best spot. I think Sean's the best person for that. He's just, you know, he's, he's approachable, he's personable. And, and he, he makes sure that you're getting the right, you know, coaching when you need it. And, and I mean, with Gabby, it's, I, for me, I mean, I'm looking at this and, you know, biasly, but how can you, how can Gabby not be, player of the year i mean he led the country in aces i mean the you watch any of our games if we're not siding out you know you said gabby and gabby's going to get a kill and and just his leadership off the court is something that a lot of people don't see and just he's you know he's keeping people on track and and 
he he does stuff for other people that you know you don't coaches aren't there he you know he doesn't you know see that and they don't see that but gabby's there you know helping us out getting extra reps and i think it's it's for me it's tough to see gabby not win player of the year with with the stats he has but also just as the teammate he is and, and what he does to help the you know the program like if he had had 12 aces at hawaii maybe he's like you know unanimous but he only had 11 right and those <laughs> only had 11 in two games so yeah. i think i had 11 all season so <laughs> <laughs> will it's great to catch up with you man congratulations again on a fantastic season and can't tell you how thrilled and excited we are that you're coming back to byu for more thanks guys i can't wait next year's gonna be a good one All right, Will Stanley via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. I love Will. A lot of uh, volleyball pedigrees that John played here, played in the Olympics, uh, played basketball as well. Um, Still known in the senior circuits as, you know, half-brother Clay was an unbelievable player in the world too. So he's made a name for himself. Pretty cool. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta, and it is April 21st. We are focusing on a former number 21 at BYU, Jamal Williams. NFL draft is a couple of days away. Right. Okay, top five. Number five, Jamal Williams. His breakthrough performance came in 2012. It took our homie Michael Elisa breaking his arm for him to get the first team reps, and bang, 155 yards and two touchdowns as a freshman en route to a 47-0 victory. This is also Taysom Hill's first start, by the way. He'd go for 100-plus two more times that season and rush for 12 total touchdowns. We thought Jamal would be good. He, he was 17 when he came to BYU, but we were like, who is this cat? Also, this is the greatest offensive lineman performance in history. Famika and I gets the start, has two dudes carted off, and then he retires after this game. <laughs> like, I've never seen anything like that. And he blocked for Jamal and Taysom, and they ran wild. Yes, Taysom went 100-plus in this as well. Okay. It's one thing to beat a bad Hawaii team at number four. It's another to do it on the road against ACC competition. Jamal with another classic game against Georgia Tech, accounting for 161 yards of total offense and four, count them, four touchdowns. He scored 24 of BYU's 41 points in a resounding win over the Yellow Jackets in Atlanta. This is also Ziggy Ansah's coming out party. This team goes 8-5 in 2012. I, dude, I think if they're in the Mountain West, they're a 10-win team. I just, they, they just played a lot of tough competition. Yes, that team could have won 10 games in the Mountain yeah. West. Yeah, absolutely. Hard to know exactly. Number three, Jamal's final game at BYU, the Poinsettia Bowl in San Diego. It, w- it started raining in the beginning of the game. It didn't stop. He went hog wild. <laughs> 210 yards and a touchdown. He's he's summoning people. I love it. He's here, running over fools. Like Josh Allen's in this game, by the way. He becomes a first-round pick in the NFL draft, but Jamal Williams was the best player in this game. Jamal Williams and BYU forever. Poinsettia Bowl chance. And how about that block from Jonah Trenneman? Yeah. Ah, so good. I remember Jonah. At number two, Jamal had this thing of going on the road and beating a Power 5 competition. Um, Like Michigan State in 2016, he tallied 163 yards, 62 of which came on 
a single play and two touchdowns on the ground. Taysom Hill and Jamal do it again, this time to Sparty in East Lansing. Michigan State had made the college football playoff the year before, and they had kind of struggled out of the gate. They end up what four and eight, I think. They were two I don't even one. care. They were two and one when BYU played them. Yeah. So then they're two and two after right. They're five hundred through four. I, this is a good win. I don't care if they're only twelve. This is a good win to go on the banks of the Red Cedar, as Reese Davis would say, and get this win. That was awesome. It was very exciting. And the top game in the history of Jamal Williams at BYU. Absolutely. This is this is the most rushing yards in a game at BYU by any player, two hundred eighty six, and it tied the rushing TD record at five. Jamal Williams versus Toledo 2016. Kareem Hunt is on the other side for Toledo. Logan Woodside, both in the NFL. Both teams had NFL backfields with quarterback and running back. And Jamal Williams was unbelievable in this walk-off shootout field goal by Rhett Almond winner. What a what a night. It was a Friday night, and it was so fun. 286 yards. That is crazy. At BYU, it's nuts. That was amazing. That was, and he went 200-plus twice that year. This game and Wyoming in the board game. Top 5 Tuesday featuring Jamal Williams. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. So I had the fun project of neatly compiling a list of nine quarterbacks, most of them primarily backups that have made nine or fewer starts all-time at BYU Because everyone's doing the, hey, you can only keep three. You get nine squares, you can only keep three. So we wanted to make uh, this a little bit different. You can only keep three, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, backup quarterbacks, and the nine are Blaine Fowler, Steve Lindsley, Ryan Hancock, shout out to Ryan, Brett Ingeman, who's going to be on The Bachelor, apparently, (laughs) uh, The Bachelorette, Charlie Peterson, Jason Beck, James Lark, Christian Stewart, and Joe Critchlow. So, Jason, who are your three out of that nine? This was fun. Um, I'm going to start off with Blaine Fowler. One of the reasons I'm going to start off with Blaine Fowler is because I see him the most. <laughs> and even if I didn't think he belonged on this list, which I do, he absolutely the, – the guy, the, guy, the guy was recruited by Miami, okay? The guy could have gone to Miami if he wanted. He's an unbelievable quarterback. But I see him not just during football and basketball seasons, but I see him every day at the gym when it's open. So I can't not put him on this list and then look him in the eye and have to deal with that. So (laughs) Blaine Fowler gets it number one, and he absolutely deserves to be on this. Christian Stewart would be a second backup quarterback. We saw what he did in that stretch where he came in for Taysom Hill. The guy was unbelievable in such a short period of time. And then the third guy I went with, Went back and forth on a couple of different guys. I ultimately decided on Charlie Peterson. Wow. I went with Charlie Peterson. Charlie Peterson. Shout out to 1999-2000. Yeah, so I went with Blaine Fowler, Christian Stewart, and Charlie Peterson. Okay. Well, because you picked Blaine Fowler, I, by default, have to pick Blaine Fowler. (laughs) Because if I don't, then I'm the guy that, oh, Jason can pick me, but you wouldn't put me on the list. In all seriousness, Blaine Fowler is a guy that played – a significant role in the game against Michigan to help BYU ultimately secure the 1984 National Championship. He was the guy that had to come in when Robbie Bosco hurt his leg and try and maintain composure. I mean, talk about a pressure-packed situation. Blaine also did some good work in the first-ever nationally broadcast live college football game in television history 
on ESPN when BYU beat Pittsburgh to open up that 84 season. Blaine Fowler deserves to be there. And the knowledge that he picked up playing with the likes of Jim McMahon and Steve Young and Robbie Bosco, tell me you don't want that guy That's un- in the, your locker room. The list of guys that he backed up is the who's who of college quarterbacks. Crazy. It is crazy. Uh, and I'm with you. I'm going with Christian Stewart. All he did in nine games of action was come in, throw for over 2,600 yards, 25 touchdown passes. And if BYU's defense had figured out how to slow down a mediocre at best Nevada team and not give up 42 at home, then the Cougars win nine games that season. And if there's a pass interference call that is, please, I can't believe you didn't throw a flag in Orlando against Central Florida, then maybe BYU beats UCF and the Cougars win 10 games. With Christian Stewart. The numbers that he put up were astronomical. Or if BYU beats Memphis in the Miami Beach Bowl in double overtime, 11 wins. Christian Stewart gave BYU a real opportunity to win 11 games that season. 11! He's doing just fine in the financial world right now, right? Living in the Bay Area, San Francisco, really smart kid. Yeah, so Christian Stewart. And then my third... Ryan Hancock, Jason. Ryan Hancock was a dual sport yes. athlete. He pitched in the major leagues for the, at the time, California Angels. Ryan Hancock also beat Penn State in 1992. You want to talk about pressure? He was the third stringer the year after Ty Detmer, John Walsh, and Steve Clements go down with injuries, and Ryan Hancock comes in and helps BYU beat Joe Paterno's Nittany Lions in then Cougar Stadium. Ryan Hancock is my third guy. He was clutch, baby, and a major league pitcher. Let's keep it rolling, BYUSN. Big morning. Time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Volleyball. Congratulations goes out to Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, who won the AVCA National Player of the Year this morning. And that wasn't all. Off the Block released its 2020 Men's Volleyball National Awards, and Gabby picked up three awards there. The Brian Ivey National Opposite of the Year, the Dane Blanton Diversity Award, as well as the National Server of the Year. Off the Block sharing the love with other BYU players as well. Davide Gardini wins the Karch Karai Award for Nation's Best Outside Attacker. Will Stanley on the program yesterday. Great interview takes the Loy Ball Award as the nation's best setter. Congratulations to all involved. Sports. That's my favorite one, though. Just sports. Yes. I love it. Sports. BYU beat Indiana in the Fox Ultimate Basketball Fans Poll this morning. They are now advancing on to the championship round. BYU beating the Hoosiers 52.8% to 47.2%. Now they will face... North Carolina, who came back to take down Michigan in the championship round. Okay, you know who else BYU beat today, Jason? Kentucky and Texas Texas Tech. Tech. Yes, they did. (laughs) We can't talk about it. Next. Football. The NFL remote draft starts tonight. Watch out for BYU players, especially on Saturday when you get to the later rounds. Potential picks include the likes of Tyson Williams, running back. Diane Gawoloku, a defensive back star. Receiver Aleve Hippo, defensive back Austin Lee. And don't forget about our guy Micah Simon. The last time BYU didn't have a player drafted, 2015. Sione Takitaki is the latest Cougar drafted in the third round of the 2019 season. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. 
and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.